Heavenly Father, we turn away from the pressing and the urgent and the trivial, and we want to come in quietness to the eternal, the deep and the still. Speak to us from your living word. May our hearts be still that we can respond from deep to deep to understand your heart, to understand who you are and who you've designed us to be. We ask for your spirit to work freely, unhindered, in each one of our hearts. Father, we want to especially pray for the family of our dearly departed sister, Julia. Lord, we think of the children who've lost a mother, those who've lost an aunt, a great aunt, those who've been exposed to her example, Sister Helen's example, but have not yet decided to follow. We pray, Lord, that you would work in their hearts, work in, through those who would be preaching and praying and serving, Lord, that they can be used as instruments in your hands. And Lord, we pray that you would draw them to you this time. We're so thankful for that example. Lord, we're thankful and we pray that we could be found faithful to have that integrity that as we come to the end of our life that we could do so without shame and that we could that the spirit of Christ would still shine through even when everything else is stripped away. We pray this in Jesus name. Amen. Is this uh, microphone working? I, I'm not sure. Good. Thank you. I want to invite you to turn with me to Romans chapter 12. I know we did meditate on Romans chapter 12 just two weeks ago, but I've been studying it uh, in my personal devotions ever since, and there is such depth there. I still, still haven't gotten to the end of the chapter. In fact, I think even one verse and even one portion of one verse is plenty for us to, to, to digest this afternoon together. So let's turn to Romans chapter 12 and verse 8 where it's speaking, if you remember, about uh, the different parts that God has put different parts of a body like members of, the, of, a, of a, our human bodies and each of them have different roles and he's speaking of one role in particular he says, or he that exhorteth on exhortation. What does this word mean? And what does it mean to, to focus on our exhortation? I was hoping to talk to Alex during lunch and I, I didn't get a chance. But uh, I looked at the Greek word and uh, it's parakaleo. Para kaleo, so alongside to call, um, but it's got very different uh, meanings when you look at that Greek word. This past week, I was uh, reading a story or uh, listening to the story of Anthony Flew. He was a very prominent atheist debater against all the top Christians, and then he surprised everyone in the 2000s when. There was a big debate in New York City, and at the very opening, he says, well, actually, he thinks there may be a God. 
and he's since now become a theist from an atheist. And, and he had a, his, as he tells his life story, what really helped him was following the evidence where it leads. And he remembers his father taking words and seeing in the, in the, in the Bible and seeing where all were they used because he was a minister and kind of letting the evidence lead to what the meaning is and that led him back to God. So if we look at how this word is used in the New Testament, what does exhort mean? And what, is, what are we being called to? It's very unusual because some places you'll read it's comfort. You know, that with the comfort wherewith we've been comforted, that blessed are the meek, for they shall be, or blessed are those that mourn, for they shall be comforted. And then in other places, it is exhort, you know, admonish, encourage, you know, speak the truth in ways that would persuade. Uh, other places, it's what people did when they were asking Jesus to heal them. They, they besought Jesus, or, or maybe they just had a miracle and they besought Jesus to go away because he just caused the, the pigs to run down the cliff. Or it, it was a sense of, of asking in a way of, of, of with urgency, with pleading. Uh, uh, and, you know, it's also using that sense to entreat. It's also using the sense uh, translated sometimes in, in, in even the word pray to I will pray God to do something. So we have these very different senses. And then it triggered my mind. You know what the Holy Spirit, the actual word for the Holy Spirit is. Right? It's parakletos. It's actually the same word. It's the Holy Spirit is the one who's para. And the kletos is kaleo. It's the, uh, the, the, you know, the one who has been called or the one who has done this thing. So we see here that we are called to be like the Holy Spirit to each other. The role that the Holy Spirit has in comforting, in calling us, encouraging us to, to become what God has, has designed, because this to come alongside and call, what are you calling someone to, right? And both the Holy Spirit and you and I want to call others to become like Jesus. Jesus is the goal. He, he, is, he has come as God in the flesh, and he has modeled for us what the perfect human life should be. And, you know, for all the canceling that, that people have trying to do with Jesus, his, his uh, record has stunned unbesmirched he says who can accuse me of sin he has stood the test of time as one who is true and that everyone can recognize as something to aspire to and that's what we're called to and i think in in many ways jesus who was god yet as a man he um he gave up or did not you take advantage of the many powers he had to to model for us what it what role we should have as human beings who are responding to God, and then the Holy Spirit comes alongside us and calls it this. Edmund, you know you are not 
model, you are not demonstrating Christ-like patience right now. Edmund, you're not uh, responding to the situation the way Jesus would. You are not leading the situation or being proactive in this situation the way Jesus would be. So I was thinking about what does this mean in the context of you and I and in this church? This is an important role. Sometimes in other places it talks about miracles and other roles that are supernatural. This is a supernaturally powered thing that you and I need to do to each other. It's, an, it's just like we need our liver to function. We need our heart. We need our kidneys. Uh, you don't have some of these vital organs. Or, organs. <laughs> you don't live very long. We need exhortation. And we look at the word exhortation and how that's used in the Bible. We see that when Paul went to some place, he was exhorting them. Uh, he, when he was establishing a new church, when he was passing by, he would exhort them. He would encourage, he would persuade, he would try to get them to get the vision. This is what you're being called to. You're called to be like Jesus. It's worth it. Yes, you will have to suffer. You can see I just got let, beaten and left for dead. Uh, I'm being chased from one town to the other, but that's okay. And I exhorted you, he told the Thessalonians like a, 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 a tender parent. I exhorted you. So we see in this exhortation, it's not a luxury. It's not a wagging of the finger. It's not, uh, I know better and you should listen to me. There, there's, there's a humility. There is a identification. There is, I am with you. I am just like you. And I am not coming from a position of higher saying, you know, this is what you should be. I am with you and I, we're both facing Jesus. You, you notice that about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is not one that draws attention to himself. When, when Jesus talked about the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit will remind you everything I have taught you. The Holy Spirit is pointing to Jesus. And, and when we come alongside, you know, we don't have this. Uh, in the Old Testament talks about how, how the religious people were offensive to God. They were like, he said, a smoke in his nose because they had this attitude, you know, stand thou there and I will, you know, I, you, I, you know don't, I, I'm better than you, basically. A very judgmental attitude. So again, I'm thinking, what does this mean in the context of us as a body of believers? On the one hand, if you believe the lies of the culture, then everybody's okay. I'm okay, you're okay, was the name of the popular psychology book on the shelves when I worked at the library you know it's like we're all we're all it's all relative you have your truth I have my truth so there's nothing for me to call you to because you live in an alternate universe and and so you know we just leave each other alone and then we all get along because we never we never actually tell each other anything we never challenge each other in any way 
and we, we kind of live in our own little bubbles and we slowly drift apart and we slowly become indistinguishable from the culture because there's no life there. There's no truth there. There is, there is no real Christianity there. And that is, I think, a very uh, real threat to us as a body of believers that we buy into that popular lie and then we think that, well, I don't want to hurt the person. I don't want to ruffle any feathers. I don't want to rock the boat. I just want to get along and so I won't say anything. Isn't that the Christ-like thing to do? Didn't Jesus say, judge not that you be not judged? Didn't Jesus say that, uh, you know, first take the moat out of your own eye, the beam out of your own eye before you think of taking the moat out of your brother's eye? Didn't Jesus say that? Uh, did, didn't Paul say, yea, I judge not my own, I don't judge others, I don't judge myself. You know, comparing ourselves among ourselves, we're not wise. Leave it till when Jesus, till the Lord comes again, and then things will be judged and everything will be made plain because, you know, you don't really know. In fact, that's what people will tell you. How dare you come and talk to me? You don't understand what I'm going through. So how do we reconcile those teachings and what Jesus is, and what Paul is saying here is our role to exhort? What is the difference between exhorting and judging? Because on the one hand, we see exhorting as vital to the health of our church. Otherwise, we become a country club with no rules, uh, with nothing to define us, nothing to identify us, where all standards and all, um, you know, all, maybe I shouldn't use the word standards, but we're not united about a common vision, no common vision. Or we become the Pharisees, where everyone's looking sideways at each other. It's kind of like, you know, your neighbor who's checking on you to see if you're wearing your mask properly or whatever. We're always looking sideways to say, are you measuring up to my version of what things should be? This seems kind of harsh, seems to be the pharisaical um, Old Testament religion that Jesus was calling people out of. The other one seems there is nothing uniting it and it's just believing lies and, and, and there's no common vision. So how do we resolve this tension? <clears throat> Well, if we look back a few verses, before we got into what the different roles and giftings there are that God has given the church, he says a foundational truth that is everything built on top. For I say through the grace, the gift of God given unto me, to every man that is among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think but to think soberly according as God dealt to every man the measure of faith. See, what really 
rubs people the wrong way about being um, corrected, about having someone point things out, is the spirit in which it's done. If we get the sense that you think you're better than I am, it's a lot harder for me to accept your advice. Now, I think there's, so one thing is the spirit is the humility with which we approach each other. But if I don't care enough about you to approach you, then that's not love. I don't love you enough. And again, this isn't a human dynamic. This isn't best way to structure a group of people. We are modeling off the Holy Spirit. And what is God's attitude towards you and I? Right? Does God judge us? Well, it depends what you mean by that. God loves you no matter what you have done. God knows you. He knows your weakness and he still loves you. But he loves you too much to leave you that way. You understand the difference? And so when we approach our brother and sister to try to correct them, it's because we believe in that person. We don't say, oh, you're always going to be in kindergarten and I'm in grade three. No, we believe in the potential of that person because we know that God is calling them to be like Jesus. And we believe in their ability, in God's ability, I should say, to get them there. And we might see an obstacle. Uh, just uh, thinking of the quote from John Newton, he was actually a, a slave trader. He talked about someone who had, who had God loved in spite of what he had done in, in dragging people from Africa in inhumane conditions, many dying along the way, in order to turn a profit. And then he's the one who wrote Amazing Grace because he discovered God's incredible grace he did not deserve, save a wretch like me. And he wrote this, he said, I am not what I ought to be. I am not what I want to be. I'm not what I hope to be in another world, but, I'm, but still I am not what I once used to be, and by the grace of God, I am what I am. If we all see ourselves as, as by the grace of God, we are what we are, and we are not yet like Jesus. I know I am far, far, far from what I ought to be. Can totally identify with that statement but I am not one I was I see there is a change a transformation that God has done in me I'm not what I was in God's vision for me to get from where I am to where I ought to be involves you and I you and I need to have the humility because this is the other side of the equation I talked about having the courage 
the love and the commitment to approach people in love, in care, coming alongside like the Holy Spirit does. And rather than focusing ourselves, trying to help that person see, because when I'm, when you're inviting, Kaleo has that sense of inviting. When you're inviting someone, you're inviting them to become something. So you're helping them aspire to see a potential they may not know that they are capable of or that they need to. That takes love and courage on the per part of the person who's risking rejection, risking you know, relational problems to, to care enough to tell you that. But on the part of the person receiving that exhortation, that also requires humility. We can't be touchy and say, well, who are you to tell me that? In fact, we can even read that in the Bible where, you know, who, are, you know, who are you to judge me? Was uh, a direct quotation there. Because that's, that's, that's our ego's self-defense. When we get very touchy, when we get um, sensitive and say, you know, you're you're implying I'm doing something wrong. You're implying that I am not what I ought to be. And then we can't have a functioning body because we can't tell each other anything. We can't help each other. We don't have the humility to let someone see that, hey, you've got something in your eye that's why you can't see clearly yeah yeah but you've got something bigger and we can all play that game but if we can both of us be humble enough both sides to be humble enough and to approach it in a spirit of love and humility where i will say to you i know i need help And I can say, you know, Josiah, I'm sorry I was too sensitive yesterday. You implied I didn't tie those bikes down well enough. And I felt maybe a little bit insecure and touchy about that. I shouldn't have reacted that way. Thank you for pulling over and tying them up better. You did a better job than I did. Instead of saying, oh, you know, I'm supposed to be the man here. I need to have the humility to say, yeah, I, I, I have to grow. I'm not Jesus, and I've got a long way to go. And if you see where I can grow that way, I am open, I welcome, I encourage, I will thank you for telling me where I fall short, as opposed to biting your head off because I don't appreciate my ego feeling bruised. See, we both need that. We need the humility to invite exhortation, and we need the humility and love to be willing to exhort. Without that, we're not really a body. We're a club. So I want to take that stand and to say I am 
open to exhortation. And I want to encourage us to exhort each other in love and to not be touchy, to not play games, to not be political, to not all the stuff we see in the world. We're different. God has called us to something different. We contrast with the world. And maybe I see things differently than you because I'm hearing a different side of the story. And we need to learn, listen to each other. Maybe there's not just one side that can learn in our conversation. But we need to have that humility so that we can be, we can parakaleo one another as the Holy Spirit comes alongside and is the parakletis for each one of us. And the Lord bless his word. So the mystery that I'm still trying to understand and welcome you helping me. Why is the same word being used for comfort and exhort? Why is it the same word in Greek? You know, parenting. Nowadays, parents try to be friends to their kids. But they've demonstrated in, in via experiment, and definitely you can see it through experience, that children do much better with boundaries. If they know what's expected, if, you, if someone is consistent with them, then they know that the parent is committed, cares about them, and that there is a saneness, there is a, a, a the world is not crazy and unpredictable, as well as there's love. Because an undisciplined child is an unloved child. And when God disciplines us, he's showing us love. When someone making the effort to come and to speak to you. They're doing it because they love you. They should be. And so let's be a comfort to each other because the harder thing is to be alone. To go through life and have no guidance. To have, because we pushed it all away. And God has sent us, said, Jesus said, it's better for you. I am going to send the comforter, the paraclete, who will be with you, each one of you, at all times. And he can enable us to be there for each other too. That we know we are not alone and we are loved. And we're not afraid to care for each other. That we conclude this afternoon service.